0: Welcome to Leading Conversations, the podcast that gives you a front row seat into how six top executives influenced cultural change across some of Australia's biggest brands. Each episode explores their leadership growth and commitment to supporting cultural transformation, a rewarding and at times challenging journey.
1: I love the great example of the story of the janitor at NASA. You know, President Kennedy has asked the janitor during a tour of the facility what he did for NASA and his reply was just awesome. I'm helping put a man on the moon. That was incredibly empowering and a great example of how people can feel valued and connected by a common purpose. I would like to feel that anyone anywhere in our organisation, if prompted, can say that they're part of an organisation that changes people's lives.
0: That's Mary Campbell, CEO of TAFE Queensland. This episode takes a slightly different approach because Mary reflects on her 30 years at TAFE, sharing her insights into leadership and cultural development. And she's talking with host Lisa Alexander AM, former head coach of the Australian national netball team, the Diamonds. One of many critical insights Lisa has is understanding how to develop high-performing teams. Not only did she lead a cultural revolution at the Diamonds, But along with an 81% win rate, she coached them to gold at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games and the Sydney Netball World Cup. Here's Lisa.
2: You know, we talk a lot about process and what it takes to build teams that operate at peak performance. But there's one innate attribute a leader must have if there's any chance of achieving that goal, and that's passion because developing a strong culture within a business, big or small, means playing the long game. Sure, it's hard, because it happens in increments, slowly but surely, but only if you keep at it. Mary Campbell embodies this kind of passion. She's the CEO of TAFE Queensland, overseeing a staff of about 4,000. To her core, she believes in the power of education to change lives and she's spent 30 years in the vocational training and education space. So there's no doubt that she's lived and breathed the long game. At heart, Mary is a keen nurturer of talent, believing the best leaders are always right under your nose and that it's your job as a leader to seek them out.
1: I've got to tell you, uh, 30 years has gone in a flash. So when I think about it, over the past 30 years, There's been so many changes in our sector nationally and at the state level, but our organisation's purpose is the one thing that's always remained the same. And in the vocational education training sector, we change people's lives. We give people skills that they need to build lifelong careers to do extraordinary things. If you look back over time, uh, for me, our organisation has been through incredible structural change Since 2014, uh, we've had a fully contestable market that completely changed the way we viewed our business. It resulted in the statewide amalgamation of Queensland TAFEs. We've moved from over 20 independent TAFEs into six geographic regions, all of which are now unified under one organisational umbrella across the state. That's been a huge journey for all of the people in our sector It's been a journey of cultural, brand and identity change, just as much as it's been a journey of operational change. And I believe it's because of our shared vision and that commitment to our common purpose that we were able to achieve it and are now operating and identifying as One TAFE Queensland.
2: Mary, creating change in any business is difficult, but in an institution as broad as TAFE, Convincing all of the stakeholders that change is needed must have been a huge challenge. For businesses going through a similar process, what advice can you give to get people on board?
1: That's a great question. Sometimes it's important to remember as a leader, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. So you can have all of those change processes in play. You can have great new systems. You can have a strategic plan, you can have a vision, you can have a mission. But if you can't inspire the people to use them, then it's more than likely that some of those are going to sit in the drawer and collect dust. So for me, it's about providing a framework whereby people are free to contribute and their input is valued. So culture, as Drucker says, always beats strategy for breakfast. But culture talks to the head, the heart and the hands. So the challenge for any leader is to engage people in all three of those elements to affect real change. I'll give you an example. It's simply, how do I behave? How do you behave? Are we problems-focused or are we solutions-focused? Do we show gratitude to others? Do we have the honest, genuine conversations? Change is difficult. It's not easy, you know, and you have to again sell the why we need to change. Are we giving continual feedback for improvement? If I tell you that I'm going to do something, anyone in my organisation, if I can't do it, I need to come back to that person and I need to tell them why I couldn't do it. I need to take responsibility for that. Are you walking by something and think, oh, that's somebody else's job to fix, when you could take responsibility for fixing that yourself? And I believe that our culture is always a reflection of the behaviour that we walk past So to live your organisational values and to turn them into agreed behaviours, they then become part of an organisation's DNA and so change doesn't seem so daunting and challenging. This is simply a way to do things better. So if everybody everywhere is taking care then of what's going on in their environment, then wherever they are, you know that's going to be a good environment to be in and that means that that environment is also physically and more psychologically safe. For everyone as well because they also see if there's something they don't like there's an element of trust to bring that up it's not so much what you said to someone or the task at hand at the time what was the outcome people move on from those discussions but people will always remember how you made them feel during those discussions again it comes back to that behavioral framework that genuine conversation listening and having real empathy for whatever the other person's position is on that change journey.
2: I think what's really struck home to me is the fact that you take this process so seriously. Can you break down a bit further how practically leaders can begin the process of cultural change?
1: I think it's really important first up to create a clear and concise common purpose that people can get on board with. You've got to frame the why. People will get the how and this is how I do it and that's when I do it. But people need to get the why. Why am I doing that? And you have to start the journey. You can't be paralysed by where you're going to end it. If you start from a premise of everyone needs to feel valued, whether you're the cleaner, whether you're the CEO, we've all got an important job to do. And I love the great example of the story of the janitor at NASA. You know, President Kennedy has asked the janitor during a tour of the facility what he did for NASA. And his reply was just awesome. I'm helping put a man on the moon. That was incredibly empowering and a great example of how people can feel valued and connected by a common purpose. I would like to feel that anyone anywhere in our organisation, if prompted, can say that they're part of an organisation that changes people's lives. So after you create that common purpose and with a clear understanding of the mechanics of your business, you can begin to work on the dynamics, on the relationships in that business. You've got to walk the talk and you need to hold each other accountable by using that set of agreed behaviours. And I've got a great example of this in action in terms of a a cultural change that we implemented at TAFE Queensland. One of our core values is safety first. Our safety culture is something that I'm incredibly proud of. And it originates from a training incident we had many years ago. At the time, I was dealing with Queensland Rail as a client, and they had a culture that was incredibly safety-focused, and I, I noticed that they started each of their meetings with a safety share and the safety share is really a personal reflection or an experience relating to safety not necessarily in the workplace that somebody shares with all the participants that concept was completely foreign to me at the time but i really i really loved it and it was inspiring and one of the most inspiring safety shares i remember from an employee at queensland rail was a story about a person who was driving through their suburb and this member of staff saw that he was mowing the lawn in his thongs and it was the weekend and so he pulled his car over to speak with him about safety and he simply spoke to him about the risks of things like losing a toe, what effect that may have on his life or the lives of his family. And I thought, wow, that is really incredible. So I asked them what they went through to get their culture to a level whereby everybody talked about it every day and everyone held each other accountable to it, whether they held a position of so-called power or not. And the answer was simply one foot after another, start small, work to engage everyone every day in some way, shape or form. So we started small by incorporating safety shares into our senior leadership meetings. We slowly expanded the concept to share stories about safety in every meeting we then held across the institute I was running. And at first that was hard. It wasn't natural for people. So to avoid the awkward pauses, we always made sure that two or three of our managers were told a couple of days in advance to think about something and that they arrived prepared to share their personal story about safety with everyone. And I quickly discovered that this not only added to the quality of the safety shares at the meetings, but also provided people with an opportunity to add value and to be listened to. So soon we had people from all levels of the Institute sharing their stories organically and each speaker was provided the respect they deserved. And from there we've moved on to what we call Walk the Talks. Again, yes, it's about compliance and keeping everyone safe But it's about every leader across our organisation having regular and engaged discussions with safety, with our teachers in workshops, in classrooms, with our staff in workspaces, asking people about their ideas on how to improve safety in those areas, having a mechanism to take that back and us listening and implementing that. So the purpose of it is really to be a conversation about safety, how we can continue to ensure our staff, our students and our visitors to TAFE campuses all across our state, and we have over 50 of them, come to work safe and go home safe. So I'm really proud to say our safety culture has grown now into being an integral part of TAFE Queensland's organisational values, and it's at the forefront of every conversation and our approach to our work. I think it's also important to remember you can't go from point A to point B without the journey. You know, sometimes there'll be good days, other days won't be so good, but you've got to learn from the not so good days and celebrate the really good days. Take note of what made them so good and remember to replicate that. Keep doing it until your vision and purpose becomes organic. And then the change starts to happen and you sit back and people in the organisation take it further than you ever believed it could go.
2: So as strong as the team and dynamics were, how was TAFE able to pivot and withstand the pressure once the pandemic hit?
1: Almost overnight, our workers were displaced across the whole of TAFE Queensland and uh, we still needed as an essential service to deliver our skilling and our targeted development training. So we looked to turning this uncertainty into something that was certain for our staff and our students. Certainly forced us to think differently about our operations and find new and more agile ways of working and delivering training. Our state went into lockdown in March. We quickly activated plans to have staff working remotely and that's over 4,000 staff, and we moved over 90% of our courses very quickly where we could online or into Zoom. We had uh, you know, our electricians in their workshops, uh, Zooming to students all over the state, just some fantastic innovation that was incredible. Our ICT teams, they worked 24-7 to facilitate remote access for all of our staff. At the same time, they delivered cybersecurity training Our academic staff and teams delivered digital technology training day and night in that couple of weeks for our educators to assist them. For the first time, payroll was completely remote within two weeks without error. And payroll always, uh, (laughs) as a leader, gives you a a little uh, heart murmur if you don't get it right. And then all of our customer service centre staff across the state were all working from home within a week. Uh, we had to let our students know, of course, so we SMS'd thousands of them to say, You may get a call from a number you don't recognise, it'll be us checking in on your welfare and our migrant students that could speak very little English. We knew that they maybe couldn't engage on Zoom. They mightn't have had a computer in their home at that stage. So all of that was turned into a distance mode. Our teachers were on the phone talking to them. We did things, I think, in that three weeks that had things been normal, we would have had them written on a plan for the next three years. And that energised and excited our workforce. It was also a time As the leader, you needed to also keep people calm. There was a lot of fear in the early days and you had to listen and you had to have empathy. But we were doing things that had never been done before and our people were remarkable. They just knuckled down, across the state they worked together and they got it all done. I saw a level of care and pride that our people took in uh, providing the outcomes for our students and the communities across the state. And I thought, what a great example of our common purpose in action, even under this extreme pressure. And we were, as a senior leadership team, you know, on the phone several times a day as everybody did their job. There was a whole level of trust created across this entire organisation. And I, I think social interaction is something when people did come back to work, they really missed each other. So, you know, the whole gambit of human emotions has been on display, as we all know, throughout the pandemic.
2: So, Mary, with all that you've done to shape the organisation and steer it through good and extremely challenging times, what are the standout elements you believe define TAFE Queensland?
1: I think it's everyone's hard work, Lisa. I'll preface that question. But having the ability to work together across all levels and locations in our organisation uh, has been a really important part of being able to build a successful culture, I look around and I see how connected our people are to that common purpose. I truly believe we have a culture that we can be really proud of. I'm very proud of it. And make no mistake, as I said earlier, culture is always a work in progress. But I see staff across our organisation stepping up, owning their jobs, holding themselves and each other accountable. For me, you always want to aspire to a culture whereby you say, I would be privileged to have my family and friends come to work here. That's the ultimate in culture. That's a culture that's known for trust, for treating people well. And it's a culture that people want to be part of and take ownership of.
2: Well, thinking ahead a bit, in many years' time, I'm sure, what's the legacy you'd like to leave behind?
1: (laughs) There's a great saying I'll start this off with, and it's guided me for many years. And it's, again, a very simple sentence. It says, be the leader you always wish you had. So for me at TAFE Queensland, we need those leaders everywhere, in every location and every role, and that energy and that influence. So I'm only one person in a large organisation. For me, it's about empowering our staff, and COVID-19 certainly showed trust leads to empowerment. And uh, over the last seven years now, working with leading teams... I know that strong professional relationships will grow high-performance teams. As you, Lisa, I've seen it in action for many years, and I've implemented the high-performing teams for our emerging leaders as well. And uh, empowerment is an important word here, and that's for them to take ownership of that purpose and to understand always that they're the future leaders of the organisation. I'm a firm believer that you can lead from any chair. And that legacy, summed up by Gandhi, he says it best to me, be that change you want to see in the world. So my job is to create a legacy of leadership. We're custodians of this organisation, really briefly. It's a 138-year-old organisation. We, as the leadership team at the moment, have the responsibility to hand it over to the next generation in better shape than when it was handed to us. Again, I'll say to you, great leaders don't just create followers. Their mission is to create leaders. So we're trying to work together to safeguard that future of TAFE Queensland and the industries that we serve. And if our organisation lives and breathes our values, those agreed behaviours that we've formed together, then I think we're really preparing the next generation well and the organisation's leaders to successfully continue that legacy. You know, vocational education and training, TAFE the public provider they underpin the skills of the economy but not only that the dignity of work and having that job giving someone the skills to get that job then impacts on every other aspect of their life so we're in a very privileged position and we need to treat that with the respect it deserves.
0: That's Mary Campbell CEO of TAFE Queensland in conversation with host Lisa Alexander A.M. Across all six episodes of the Leading Conversations podcast, you'll gain insights into how you can build high-performing teams and reshape the culture of your business. And for more information, head to leadingteams.net.au. Leading Conversations is produced by Sound Cartel for Leading Teams. Thanks for listening.